malo. Malo. I learned a long time ago there were some things that happen in church that I need to not be in the middle of. And that was one of them. Yeah, because a blessing comes out of that. I know what God has blessed him with. The Holy Spirit is moving on him like that. I need to let him do it. Yeah, because it's going to be a blessing to all of us. He thought you were worth saving, bro. Even when we don't think we're worth saving. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, he thought I was worth saving. Can everybody in here say that? Can everybody, everybody in here say that? He thought I was worth keeping. My Lord. Thought I was to die for. There is a passage of scripture that I would like to inform us of today for our message. It comes from the gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 5, starting around the 21st verse. There is a lot of interesting things going on in this passage of Scripture. From about 21 to 34, there's a whole lot of Jesus in this passage. And some of it you may not pick up on. Some of it may sneak by you. But it seems as if Jesus is doing double duty in this passage of Scripture. I'm going to tell you in a minute what I mean. Before I do, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to look around at anybody else. I want you to look inwardly or inward. I want you to answer this question for you. Are you closer to Jesus than you were a year ago? Is your relationship better with him than you had with him a year, a year ago? I'm going to use a year as a reference. You can use whatever period of time you want as the reference, but it, are you closer to him? Because I got a feeling, church, that whether we say it 
allowed, whether we testify about it, every one of us really wants to be close to Jesus. If you know him and you have a relationship with him, you want to be as close as you can to him. One problem, though, that takes some discipline and some dedication and some going through something in order to be closer to him. Not just to know him now. I mean, let me clarify this to you because I can make this today plain. You know a lot of people you're not close to. All right? And some of them, some of them are close to you by blood. You know them, but you're not, you're not close to them. Yeah, you could be. But again, that takes some time, and that takes some discipline, and some being together. But I want to tell you, and based on this scripture we're going to go through, that there are some people who don't even have that kind of relationship with, with Jesus. They're not related to him by marriage. They weren't related to him by, by, by their religious practices. None of that. And yet, these people had more faith in Jesus than any, almost any of the folks around him. And it manifests itself in this passage of scripture. Tony Evans said this, the only way to grow is to get to know Jesus better. And the only way to get to know him better is to learn more about him. And the way to learn more about him is to experience his word. Salvation is free, but discipleship is expensive. Salvation is free, but discipleship is expensive. It costs you something to truly be his disciple. You can get to heaven for nothing, courtesy of the cross, but it costs a lot to get heaven down here to you. Cost a lot to get heaven down here to you. James, the New Testament writer, tells us, come near to God and he will come near to you. And so this morning I want to talk to you about somebody a woman who has desperate faith. Some of you who've been in church long enough have heard about this woman and heard about her plight, heard about what she went through. But this woman was determined that no matter what, she was going to get close to Jesus. Nothing was going to stop her because there's something, Tyrone, about a desperate faith. A desperate faith is one that catches folks' attention. Yeah. It'll get you things that an ordinary faith just won't get you. A desperate faith will receive things that it's never experienced before. And so if you see here in the scripture, there is a time when Jesus was coming back by ship onto the other side of the lake that he and the disciples had been working on. And there was 
a group of rulers, I'm going through the scripture right now, I'm reading down, down to 22, a group of leaders of the synagogue. And in the group of leaders of the synagogue, there was one man in there, his name was Jairus. And Jairus came to Jesus when he got to shore. And watch this now. Picture this, if you can, and understand the cultural context that we're talking about. Jesus comes to shore, and Jairus, a man of notability in the community, a leader in the community, a leader of the synagogue, comes to Jesus, and he fell at Jesus' feet. This is inappropriate by most standards that this man of nobility would come and bow himself before this street preacher named Jesus. And there must be a reason Jairus finds himself in this position. And when he fell, he besought him greatly saying, watch this, some things move you. He said, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. And I pray thee, Come and lay your hands on her, and she will be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. Went with him, just on his ask. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed him and thronged him. Thronged means they were all about him. And a certain woman... This is the part you know from church, which had an issue of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things of many physicians and has spent all that she had and was nothing better, but in fact, she was worse for all the doctors she had been to. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I can just touch but his clothes, I shall, definitive word, not speculative, I shall be made whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood, I love that word they used to let you know how bad the situation was. Mark writes, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, it doesn't say here in Mark, but if you go look over in Luke, Luke will say this, because Luke will always kind of be the investigative reporter here. He said, Peter, who couldn't hold his tongue, said to Jesus, Jesus, you must be out your mind all these folk around you and you're going to ask who touched you in this crowd. He didn't say it exactly like that, but that's what Peter meant. Yeah. Mark made it pretty. He said, and the disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou, who touched me? Yeah, I like Peter's version, uh, Luke's version better. And he looked around about her around about and saw her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, 
knowing what was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Underline that. All the truth. Okay? All the truth. That's overlooked in this story. That matters. And 34 says, and he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Closer to Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. How do you get closer? Closer to Jesus. The first thing I want to tell you is something that you probably don't want to hear from me this morning, but write it down. Make sure it's part of your studying. Comfort and closer are inconsistent. Comfort and closer are inconsistent. Because the kind of faith that gets Jesus' attention is a desperate faith. Jesus offers hope to the hopeless. Jesus offers compassion to those who feel like there is no compassion for them anywhere. To those the world has shunned, pushed aside, Jesus comes bringing them compassion. It's amazing if you look at the Bible how many times this scene is repeated over and over again, particularly when we see Jesus' walk in his ministry, how many times he comes upon desperate people, people with problems that have been with them forever. Jesus seems to be a desperation magnet. He teaches us that there's no one anywhere in the structure of society that's beyond his touch. He doesn't draw walls around those people who would benefit from his blessings. He doesn't put structures in place to make it such that they have to jump through hoops to get to him. Think about it. You go back just through the mind, through your lexicon of times in the Bible. A man with leprosy comes begging on his knees to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, if you're willing, I'm sorry, the man says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says to him, I am willing. And immediately, Jesus' power touches this man's faith. And he is cured. Blind, a man named Bartimaeus who had one of them nicknames from the community. The man happened to be born blind, and so people in their wisdom started calling him Blind Bartimaeus. You know, that's like Andre. Andre happened to be short, and so people in the community called him Short Andre, as if there's a tall Andre somewhere in the city that Andre is always around. I mean, people always got to make a joke out of it. So, so Blind Bartimaeus, yeah. Probably some EEOC complaint behind that if it was on the job, if they called him that, all right? When Jesus came his way, blind Barnabas, it's in the Bible, I ain't messing with the man, started crying out to him. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. What's amazing about this passage of scripture is that while blind Barnabas who had to deal with that moniker every single day, is yelling out for Jesus to come help him. 
his boys around him are telling him, be quiet, blind Bartimaeus. Leave that man alone. Let him go on about his business. That's what scripture says. It says, and his friends told him to shut up. Be quiet. But he completely ignored them and shouted even louder to get over them. I came to tell you something. If you don't write anything else, if you're young, write this down. Sometimes you have to ignore your friends to get better. All right? Because they don't understand what God has for you. They don't. And if you just do what your friends want you to do, you're going to stay blind for a long time. See, these people I just told you were desperate. But we don't want to get in a desperate situation. We're not going to let our situation turn desperate as long as we got something to do about it. The problem is these folk had done everything they could do about that situation. They had exhausted every resource they had to change their circumstances. Bartimaeus was blind from birth. There's nothing he could have done to change the situation. It was desperate every single day of his life. And these folk who were telling him to shut up hadn't lived a day being blind. They didn't understand that he was blind, but he could hear he knew what they were saying about him every day. He could hear the laughter. He could hear all the taunts and the jeering. They never had to deal with that. He had had enough. So that day, it didn't matter what they said. Jesus was going to hear him that day. And so he kept yelling. See, because this is how it is. The reason why we don't get to desperation is because if we find stability and security with our own plans and our own aspirations, then we stop it. We don't turn it over to Jesus. We don't say, here it is to you, Lord. Make it better than I could have. We stop at our own level of success. But Jesus can flavor anything and make it better than it was anyway. We're okay with what we've done. But I came to tell you, turn it over to Jesus and see how he changes the circumstances for us. Some of us are living life high, living our best life on a grade C you can do. If you turn it over to the Lord, you'll have A plus because Jesus fixed it for you. But when you get stuck at grade C and you think that's the best life can afford, well, then I guess you have your reward every day. If you look at the passages that precede the one I told you about, Jesus is displaying his power on a number of occasions. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus calms the storms. He told them, I have power over the wind, over the elements. He's proving his deity. He commanded a thunderstorm to settle down, act right. He brought peace to the elements. The beginning of chapter 5, Jesus controls a man who is demon-possessed. And he calmed the storm, another storm. First it was a storm on the water. Then he came in in chapter 5 and calmed a storm in this man's mind. And he calmed that down for him. Because Jesus has the power to deal with disturbances over demons. Yeah, some of us call them friends. 
but they demons. Yeah, they might not show you all that they can do at one time. They seep it out a little bit at a time, but they demons. They got you on the long plan because you trust them, but they demons. Yeah, and you need to realize that slowly but surely, they don't have you messed up, but you think they're your friend, but they're demons. See, if all the demons did all their bad work at one time, what most people I know would say, Jesus, help me, if you know the Lord. But when they just do it a little bit at a time, yeah, you think you can fix that. Yeah, it's still the work of a demon. He's just doing it a little bit at a time. But Jesus has already shown us that he's got the power over storm, over health. He even ultimately shows us he's got power over death. When he got out of the boat, this man comes to him. There's not a situation you're going to find that makes you more desperate than your child being sick. Yeah, you, you can go, when you got a child that's got a toothache, you're going to find anything you can to ease that child's struggle. And this man's daughter is at the point of death. He's done everything he could. And so out of desperation, that's the word, he decides, I'm going to go outside the power structure. Now, he's not just anybody. In that community, he would be a somebody. He's the leader of the synagogue. He wasn't one of the rabbis. He wasn't one of the ministry leaders. He would be more akin to the building superintendent for the synagogue. Yeah, he made sure that everything they needed was straight. He took care of them, and because of that, they took care of him. Made sure he was okay. This man lived well, had the finest of things that life could give you, but he had no ability to help his daughter in that situation. And he had been hearing the stories as it made its way down the social network. You know, the social network we have now is online. Yeah, that was a social network by then. It was called word of mouth. And word of mouth had it that there's, there's a stranger in town. And this stranger in town is giving sight to the blind. There's a stranger in town, and he's healing folk with leprosy. There's a stranger in town, and that boy has been throwing himself into the rocks over there. He took all the demons out of him. There's a stranger in town, and this man says, well, if the stranger can help somebody that's got leprosy, and if he can help somebody that's blind, and if he can help somebody that's demon-possessed, then I believe that this stranger can help my baby that's laying in there on her deathbed. And it doesn't matter what my friends say, it doesn't matter what my employers say about me going to him, I'm going to get to Jesus. And so he does. And as soon as he sees Jesus, the one he throws protocol aside. Yeah, we say that all the time, protocol having been established. <laughs> he says, forget protocol. I won't talk to you, man. I need you to help my daughter. And I love the innocence of his faith. He ain't been to Sunday school. He's been to no Bible study that I know of. He hadn't been to any of the formulaic things that we say are required in order for you to have a good relationship with the Lord. Yeah, he ain't in no small group. None of that. What he has is a pure 
unadulterated view toward faith in this man named Jesus. And he takes it all on his faith card and he lays it on the line in front of Jesus and say, I want to charge my baby better in front of you. And Jesus hears him, throws himself down prostrate, prostrate on the ground and says, please help my baby. I love this about this story. And I said it a minute ago. Jesus, sensing the authenticity of this man's request, doesn't take him through 20 questions. He doesn't, he doesn't say to this man, okay, if you'll get with Peter over here, Peter got a form, and, and you fill out this form, and uh, we're going to get back with you in two days, and we're going to make sure everything's in order. We got to do a background check, make sure your daughter really is like you say she is. No, the Bible simply says Jesus went with him. He went with him. He just got up and followed this man to his home. Jesus was about his business. Can you imagine they're walking, Jesus trying to comfort the man? He didn't leave it to no disciple to do that. He did it himself. I'm sure he's saying, Jairus, tell me a little bit about you. Tell me a little about your baby. And they're walking. This is what's happening. I want to paint the scene for you. They're walking back to Jairus' house. They're not thinking about anything. Jesus doesn't have anything on his mind but Jairus' daughter. But unbeknownst to Jesus, there's a woman lurking in the background. She's peeking trying to see what she can do because this woman has literally taken her life into her own hand, even being out around these folks because she is unclean according to the social structure. If they see her, if they come into contact with her, they're all going to be messed up, but she's desperate. Yeah, 12 years she's been bleeding and she don't know why. She spent all her money, all the money she could get from her family, and the Bible says she was not better. In fact, after 12 years, she was worse. She, she was worse. She was worse. The writer here says she had a fountain of blood. A fountain of blood. Can you imagine? Just know this. There's some nurses in here, some, some medical personnel. She probably looked look gaunt. She probably looked sick. All right? She looked sick. I'm sure it looked like the color wasn't in her because she was always bleeding. She was weak, but she had enough strength to say all I need to do. Just, just all I need to do. How many times, how many churches, how many preachers have said, just if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I've read enough and researched enough on this whole episode to know she wasn't even trying to touch the whole garment. The Bible says that rabbis at that time wore a garment that had little tassels on it. And the tassels hung. She just wanted to come in contact with one of the little tassels at the bottom of his garment. She didn't even want to pull the whole cloth. It's enough power flowing through Jesus. And the Bible says she got close enough in the press to reach her hand out and touch. It said touch the garment. I'm going to say touch the tassel. And immediately two things happened. This is why we know it's a miracle now. Jesus on his way to take care of Jairus. All of a sudden, ding. You know, they'd have to put sound effects on it today. Two things happened. The author, immediately she knew she was healed. Immediately. Jesus does not put your healing on layaway. 
immediately. How long is 12 years? 4,383 days, 144 months, 624 weeks, 105,192 hours. This woman had been bleeding, struggling, sick, and you trade all that for ding, immediately. She knew that she was healed, that the fountain had stopped immediately. But not only did she know it had stopped, watch this, Jesus knew that a transaction had taken place. Jesus knew, Reg, that something had happened that was unusual because the press was around him. They were touching him, Monica. They were jostling him as they were walking because everybody wanted to get close to him. Everybody did. It's an amazing. Have you ever been around somebody that's popular like that? You, it's sickening. No, it's sickening. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Have you ever been around a politician or a celebrity when they go to a public function and everybody want to get near them? Everybody got something to say to them. And they, that's why they got guards around them because people will literally get up in their face and be talking to them and showing them stuff and trying to touch them. And now they demand that you take pictures with them and all that kind of stuff. They literally can go nowhere without that happening. Without that happening. Yesterday at the game, I was talking to our mayor. I was really talking to one of his security details because the mayor was talking to people. And, and, and when he was talking to them, there was a group over here waiting to talk when they got through talking. And then there was a group over here waiting to talk when they got through talking. Now, this is a football game. This is a football game where everybody's supposed to be concentrating on football. All right? And he moved from one group to the next group because you got to have, you know, the right personality to do this job. <laughs> and to the next group. And the security guy and I were talking. And I said, man, how y'all get used to this? <laughs> and he said, I thought it was bad here. He said, but a few weeks ago, we were in D.C. And it was worse than this. It was worse than this. The people were on him. This in Washington, D.C. They were on him. He was the celebrity in D.C. And we had to be with him literally. The whole time, because these are people who you would think are celebrities too, <laughs> trying to get to him. Why are you saying all this? Because people somehow lose their mind when they get in situations like this. And they think they have access. And all of the disciples around Jesus, all the people in the community around Jesus, Jesus is simply walking. They're touching him, and yet he can feel the difference in one touch, Phaedra. One touch makes a difference and he turns around and he says who touched me who who touched me who withdrew something from the holy bank of grace who withdrew who made a withdrawal because there's only one withdrawal slip that can draw grace from the holy bank of grace and that's faith authentic faith extracted from Jesus with all that other stuff couldn't do. She discovered something because she was scared. She discovered that Jesus 
blessed her more than just with her physical healing. See, when she touched him, she was healed. Watch this now. But she wasn't whole. She was healed, but she wasn't whole. What do I mean? Physically, she was healed. But the problem is nobody knew it. Everybody knew she had been sick for 12 years. Everybody knew she was isolated. Everybody knew she had, a, she had a problem that prevented her from being around her family and everybody else. But nobody was there to witness the transaction that had happened with her and Jesus. And Jesus knows this. See, Jesus knows all about our struggles. Jesus knows the whole story about our struggles. He knew that ostracization was bad. And so Jesus stops on his trip to Jairus' house. And he turns around and he gives this woman a complete healing. And he says to her, because he knew who she was. I don't know if there's some kind of holy glow that comes or something that Jesus can see. I don't know what it is, but immediately he knew that this was the woman and she was afraid because she thought she was about to be physically harmed by all these people. Instead, Jesus said to her, tell me what happened. And that's when the Bible says, I told you a minute ago, she told him the whole truth. She told him everything about her life, how she had been sick, how she had been suffering. Can I, can I ask you something? Have you told Jesus the whole truth of your life? I, I'm talking about that part you hide, the one you don't even want to talk about yourself. Have you turned it all over to him? to let him deal with it. I mean, every aspect of it, the stuff that's tearing you up inside that you won't tell nobody, Jesus wants you to tell him the whole truth. He knows it. He just wants you to trust him with the whole truth. This is why I ask you at the beginning, if you want to be closer, then stop putting barriers between you and Jesus. Just talk to him. Tell him all about your struggles. Songwriter told us that a long time ago. You think it's so simple, it got to be problematic. Yeah. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He'll hear your, somebody needs to know it. And he'll answer. So when you feel a little, then you know a little fire is burning. So just have a little talk with Jesus. She discovered something, that when Jesus heard her, he not only healed her physically, but he healed her socially. She came into the scene anonymous. She had a t-shirt on and said, anonymous woman suffering. That's a t-shirt. Touch Jesus, he heals her. He turns around and he elevates her not just society, from a society standpoint, he embraced her, and Brittany, he called her daughter. I know what daughter means. I, I know what daughter means. I, I know the affection that comes when you talk to somebody and you call them daughter, and Jesus had never met this woman before, and yet he elevated her to the status of being a daughter in front of everybody else. So in other words, her healing, her complete 
wholeness was as important as Jairus' daughter in that moment. There was no deciding which was more important. Getting her back from a social standpoint was crucial. And he healed her. He healed her. And so I came to tell you this. It doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what God is doing at any given time. You're never an interruption to his time. You're never an interruption to his time, all right? When he is engaging with you, you are his priority for that moment because he holds and controls time. He can make time do what he wants it to do. And so it's not an interruption, it's just your time. It's just your time and God can do with it whatever he wants. And so he has this marvelous quality called interruptibility. All right? That, that interruptibility, that means whatever time it is, whatever's going on, it doesn't matter if countries are at war. Your situation is the most significant problem to him if you just draw down on your faith with him. That's you and that's him. He'll love you. And so I came to tell you this and I'm out of here. Don't be like all the other folk around him. Don't be satisfied with just rubbing shoulders with Jesus. Reach out and touch the master. Some folk were satisfied in the crowd just to be next to him, rubbing shoulders. They just wanted to rub shoulders. But there were two people who weren't satisfied with that. They had to know him intimately. They had to know him personally. They had to get closer to him. And both of them broke protocol in order to do it. And we need some protocol breakers around here. That's what this is all about. How do you get closer? Call his name. Yeah, these folk who were rubbing shoulders with him, watch this now, they were touching him, but they weren't changed because there was no faith exchange between them. They were just onlookers, part of the crowd. Jesus gives his full attention to you, and he's waiting on you right now. This woman was at the POTD, the POTD, which means she was at the point of total desperation. And at the point of total desperation, she was willing to do anything for Jesus to take care of her, and he did. And I came to tell you right now, he didn't stop with her. He's waiting on you if that's your circumstance. If you're willing, when you come in here, don't just come in the press. You gotta contact Jesus, touch him. Is that someone here today? Who knows that Jesus Christ came for them? Today's the day. Now's the time. Make known your connection to him. If you have faith in it, then I'm empowered to invite you to be a part of all that we're trying to do in this Christian family. Yeah, come to Jesus. He has. He has saved you already. Yeah, he saved you. He went to the cross for you. Stayed on the cross for you. 
died on the cross for you, went to the grave for you, stayed in the grave for you, was resurrected for you. He saved you. All you got to do is trust him. Do you trust him? Yeah, he saved you already. Come on now. I only trust him. Only trust him. Yeah, he won't let you down. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In case you haven't figured it out already, Jairus' daughter was saved too. Yeah, didn't stop her from being healed. Because God heals all the way. Yeah. Come on now. Come on now. Only trust him. Doors are open for you right now. Just for you. Just for you. Yeah. What you doing, doing right now? Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Come on now. Just now. Yeah. Bless you now. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Yes.